Welcome everyone to our First Mover Cyber Monday e-commerce newscast for April 2022. Yes, we're already in April, which is kind of crazy to think because I'm pretty sure I, I was just thinking of the holidays or maybe I'm thinking ahead for the holidays. Um, but, you know, at least there's uh, Christmas in July, which will come sooner than uh, the end of the year. But welcome to all of you who are joining us live and or on demand as we make this available in both uh, a, a live format, a recorded format, and a podcast format for any learning and, and inspiration needs um, to fit your post-COVIDian lifestyle. So excited to have all of you joining us um, today. We've got a lot in store um, a lot that's happened this month, a couple things that even went under the radar to me and Oscar individually, but that we caught up with each other on as we were putting all of this together. So excited to kick this off today. Uh, some of you are new uh, to the First Mover community, but you're not new to being a First Mover. We are First Mover. We are a community of those who leverage that early mover mindset and early mover advantage. And we as an organization are your satellite center of excellence for CPG e-commerce education and change management and digital transformation. So uh, that's a, a mouthful for we support you in with events like the ones you're on here, um, uh, among others, summits and trainings. We do custom trainings for organizations of all sizes, levels, maturities, seniorities, regions, you name it. And then we do a lot of advisory as well to support organizations in change management, capability building, e-commerce strategy, and beyond. So welcome. Uh, you are you are now at home. Even if you didn't know that you, li- you lived in space, you do live on the frontier of a constantly changing space. And while you may not always feel like you're a pioneer, you are. And so we are here for as a shoulder to cry on or to celebrate your successes, whatever you need at any given point. While it isn't about the two ugly mugs here on the screen, it takes first movers to know first movers. My name is Chris Perry. I'm the chief learning officer and co-founder here um, at First Mover. I've been in the trenches with you across Reckitt, Wellness Pet Company, and Kellogg's leading e-commerce. Prior to that was in brand. And then um, after my CPG tenure, I was at Edge by Essential heading up exec education, um, having gotten to work with a ton of other brands before co-founding First Mover to engage with all of you out there. I couldn't do any of this without Oscar Kashubsky, my uh, partner in crime here, chief growth officer, co-founder, also been in this space for over a decade, leading e-commerce across Kimberly, Clark, Mondelez, and Kellogg's, and then digital, uh, more of a digital startup uh, experience prior to that. So you couldn't get any two uh, more more dynamic duo of nerdity here, um, but we are here to share that passion with you so you don't have to be the nerd, you can just be the change agent. Like I said, we do a ton of different types of events. This is one series we do. So we'd love to have you join us uh, continuously once a month for our industry newscast through the Cyber Monday series. We also put on different types of summits and and public trainings available. Uh, We actually just did our Amazon event last week. We had literally over 221 CPG brands in attendance, which is phenomenal. Obviously, it's not about quantity, but it was exciting to have so many wonderful uh, leaders across all those companies join us. Um, and then we all, so we do a, a retailer events like the Amazon one. We've got a Walmart event coming up in, uh, in May, May 10th through 12th, um, target later in the year and another Amazon one in September. And then we do our, uh, category focused events. We, and we kind of pick and choose based on what we think needs a little love. And so we did the bev out category in March. We've got health and beauty in June and pet, 
um, in uh, November. So all of these events have been inspired by you. And if you see an area, a category, a retailer that's not being loved, we'd love to try to make sure it gets some. So um, feel free to reach out to us at any time. We'd love to have you join us. All events publicly are free to brands. So we would love to have you join us um, at any time. Um, and we're, we welcome anybody else. We just have an agency pass for anybody who is not on the brand side. Um, but you can find all of these at firstmover.com forward slash events. And then we also have a lot of pop-up events um, that come along. We've got a couple coming up that we'll be announcing, again, also free and focused in on strategies and capabilities. So excited to have you join us. This was actually one of the events we put on earlier this year, which is relevant ongoing. So we'll probably keep shamelessly plugging this, but we took a crack at trying to help leaders like you identify the equation for change, right? We talk about change management, digital transformation, e-commerce acceleration. And a lot of times we all know that this is happening, but we don't know how to do it, right? And change management isn't just an academic theory. It's actually a commercial practice and we can actually make that more tangible. And so we put out a free ebook. You can actually scan this QR code and grab it or go on our website. You'll see the sheared uh, calls to action on the site and you can go to our landing page. You can get the free ebook. Um, you can see all kinds of great content. We had an event on this that was again, free to brands um, and a lot of great content from various partners who've done some work in this space. So really identifying the, the behaviors holding CPGs back and what we can do to hop that fence and bring sometimes the sheep over the over the fence and, and out of the pasture, leading them to change. And so we'd love to have you check that out. But we've got some other cool events like this coming. Uh, don't, I, I won't say the sheep won't show up again, but we might have some other cool uh, themes to keep this fun. Last week, we also announced, and this is going to be actually relevant, so anybody who's joining us today or on demand is automatically included in this for free. Um, we are launching our, our uh, first ever, I think, in the in the industry. I haven't heard of anything like this before. A learning loyalty program. So there are a lot of different certifications offered by institutions, even your own company, even trainings we do that are for depth of knowledge in a certain area, or even maybe breadth of knowledge. Right? You got your your BA or your BS or your MBA for a breadth of knowledge in a sp specific space, but nothing gives you perks and rewards and recognition for the length of time you focus on your own professional development. So we have launched Forge by First Mover, a, a program intended to celebrate continuous learning and change leadership. We start in our space, but this can go many, many places. Um, and we've got four different levels. It's all free. All you have to do to get enrolled is to attend an event. So you're already one step ahead. Uh, many of you have been with us many times before, and we're going to be expanding this to many other organizations. So we don't assume that you only learn with First Mover, even though we thank you for that. We're going to be expanding this to many other organizations, as well as select internal programs, both we've run and others, um, to make sure that you're getting as many hours racked up so that you can achieve these levels and all of the different perks and rewards that will come with it. So um, will you earn a million dollars from this? Not from us, because we don't even have a million dollars, but Will you potentially earn a million dollars from all that learning that you'll gain? You bet you will. Um, I, I'm sure a, a seven-digit salary is in your future if you focus on yourself enough. So we did want to congratulate, uh, and we're going to be sending out more details to all the different folks across all the levels today. Uh, 
the, the folks listed on the screen today uh, should be patted on the back, given a COVID-friendly hug for all of the learning that they've already done through first mover only. I imagine that this is surpassed by all the learning they do elsewhere, but these are just some of the leaders that are driving change in the space through continuous learning. And these, these uh, select folks have already achieved, as from, from the brand side, have achieved the our Polaris torchbearer uh, designation. And we'll be sharing out some cool things with badges, uh, LinkedIn recognition, and, um, and some other perks coming your way. And then there will be other levels, our Soul, Blaze, and Ember levels, that will have some perks as well, but the perks get better as you get to the hotter level torch. So, um, so sounds maybe you might say, I don't need that. Well, okay, but you do need learning and why not get a little bit of something for it, right? Um, and we're here to help you uh, to celebrate what you do in this space. So thank you for all you do. Thank you to those listed here and the many others who are in the, the next few levels. Um, and we promise we're gonna make this a, a fun way to continue driving learning in this space. So let's get into Cyber Monday today. That's why you came. It's for that continuous learning. So um, for anybody who's new, just so you know, there's a little bit of a meaning to our madness. We hear all and see all these headlines all month long before we do our next Cyber Monday's uh, you know, newscast. And when you see all this stuff, it can be somewhat disparate, right? Like, like you'll hear a piece of news about Amazon or Walmart, and it seems interesting. But how does it all weave together into one tapestry of what's really going on. What's the story? And so we have this story that we see as things come together that really fuels almost like a news industry momentum flywheel. Um, And so what we see is in blue, you see digital driving, right? Digital drives the shopper. It drives the buyers and the merchants and the retailers, and then it fuels the brands and then so on. And as digital is driving and more traffic is shifting online, we actually see the shelf shrinking and the store evolving and all these new players and capabilities coming about. As e-commerce grows, you've got that shrinking shelf, but you've got more competition than ever. So in dark orange, you've got uh, news that really plays into new types of platforms and ecosystems from our retailers and retailers going into brand and brand going into retail and but yet all trying to buy for a smaller shelf that used to be available even in the physical environment. And all of that keeps fueling more digital. So it really drives a continuous motion here. And so you'll see our news kind of color-coded. Sometimes it blurs into multiple areas, but we try to take a stab at organizing our our, our news here to show kind of, to help you with that story. If If that enables you, we've heard feedback that this is really helpful to get maybe some of those sheep that we tell the news to, to follow us. Um, so that they don't have to be sheep anymore. So um, that's kind of our, the meaning to our madness, but we're going to kick off with our news. So um, in, that, in that vein of digital is driving, um, naturally everything is on fire in this space, but it's always kind of interesting. Every month we see another headline, another chart. eMarketer always has some great stuff, kind of staking in the ground the latest forecast and estimates for overall categories, but also one of the ones that was most lagged um, in this space is food and bed. So not all of us are in that category uh, or mega category, but remember if food and bed is growing, the rest of us are probably ahead of that um, outside of bev out, which is still also on fire. And what we're seeing is actually uh, for overall food and bev, right? Which includes some of the categories that hold it back. Um, digital sales of food and bev items is, is supposed to make up almost 8% 
of the, the, the trillion dollar food and bev e-com market uh, or total retail market in 2022. We do see that likely continuing to, to increase. And for some of you out there, I know in the food and bev space, you're already seeing double digit penetration in e-com. So I always like to state this as like, always remember, what does it mean if I'm pacing faster than the category? It means I'm gaining share. And we really need to be gaining share online because of the, the dynamics of the digital shelf. So um, just something to keep your eye on. This is only going to continue to grow. And the penetration of sales online does not represent the behavior penetration. Remember, a, see, over, over half of all U.S. shoppers have bought food and bev online. Maybe not be the majority of their, of their purchases yet, but the behavior has already hit a critical mass. The dollars will follow suit because this is the path of least resistance. And Oscar, I don't know if you had any builds on this, but just exciting to see this having been at Kellogg's and knowing knowing how, how far behind we were years ago and how quickly this has risen. Yeah, so here, here's a few things that I'm thinking, right? Number one is I honestly believe that because of there are so many inflation pressure at the moment, people might be much more price sensitive, right? So and e-commerce is much easier to compare prices when you actually look at different retailers, um, because, you know, like none of us are actually technically still reading probably paper newspaper, right? So how do you find out about the, the store ads? You know, it's, it's becoming harder and harder to get printed store ads. So people jump in online to compare prices. You know, they might be actually looking even on Instacart, despite Instacart is doing some charge ups, um, you know, in, in few retailers. So that price comparison and inflation, I'd be interesting to see if it's actually that's going also to be shifting the behavior because we have not been in a situation as far as I remember in e-commerce when inflation was running rampant and we didn't, we'd ne- never seen a situation where, you know, people, you know, basically purchasing power was dropping considerably and, you know, they would have to, for example, shift from um, store, uh, from, uh, you know, CPG brands to store brands, um, you know, to be able to even afford things. So I don't know, like, I, I actually think that those numbers might go much higher, especially end of, you know, maybe uh, second half of this year versus next year. So I think, you know, that's going to actually be, teaching people new behaviors. I'm not so sure it's, go- it's going to be as, as big as the COVID kind of event, right? Because that was kind of people were forced into online grocery. But I do think that this is a little bit of uncharted territory at the moment where uh, we can actually see even more behavior change. But fundamentally, you know, you know me, you know, I'm into robotics, I'm into, uh, you know, Tesla bots and into total home automation. If I look at 2026, 10% only, like, you know, in, in my heart, I don't believe it. In my heart, I believe it is like, hey, what about 20, 30%? Like, what would it take to get to that level of penetration within food and bev? And, you know, I have a few ideas, but it's just like, ah, that 2026, 10%, it's for me, it's too linear. Well, 100%. And I always think it's just important. You're going to see these numbers come out and don't think they don't show up in some of your executives' decks and whatnot. So it's exciting to see it grow, but sometimes I think sometimes the numbers let people rest a little bit longer than they need to rest. And so that's why I always say, you know, yeah, overall, with what we know today, it might not look like it's a huge number, but let's look at behavior. Let's also note that this was all food and Bev, not just certain food categories or certain Bev categories. 
And again, you want to set yourself up to be disproportionately ahead because when it does hockey stick or continue to accelerate with the next whatever drives that disruption, you'll be ready because you'll already be there. Um, and and, and now, to- Oh, and, go for it. And to and to your point, one of the most explos- uh, explosive categories is alcohol, right? Oh no, exactly. And, and we actually see a lot of municipalities almost like encouraging uh, online sales of alcohol, and that's a massive category. So we'll see. I mean, it's 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 fascinating for sure. It's fascinating. Now, Oscar, we saw some other cool uh, actually research from Payments dot com, which I you can actually get. Our deck has the links in it. You can go get it. There's a whole kind of white paper with some really cool stuff here. Yeah. So, you know, as you all know, subscription is, is a big factor of e-commerce, right? Because we always look at auto replenishment rates. We almost look at loyalty, basket size. Um, you know, so we were looking at some of the numbers that payments.com were publishing. So Amazon at the moment, it has about 166 million of um, subscribers, which is 64% of the population of, of, of adult population of the U.S., uh, you know, is there more room to grow? I, I'm sure there is, but it's it's going to be harder and hard, harder, right? Then we have uh, Costco, Sam's Club, you know, in 30%. But I, I presume that's just basically everybody that is buying Sam's Club and Costco, um, you know, subscription just as a, you know, kind of a club channel. But the surprising one is, is, is Walmart. Number one is it's only 14.6%, but... What I would say is a little bit alarming that they are actually not seeing their basket size growing on subs- on subscription versus uh, other retailers. So so basically, no matter if you have a subscription to Walmart Plus or you don't, the basket size is about the same. So it can mean two ways. That number one is the Walmart uh, customers are very very loyal no matter what, right? And it, it doesn't really matter e-commerce; it's not making any difference. Or, you know, Walmart Plus, it really requires a little bit of a, some new functionality, new stickiness, new promotions, you know, to be able to kind of build this up. And then there is additional kind of a layer on the top of it is like, what's the preference? Like, what's the preference? Is the preference buying in the store or is the preference buying it online? And we see shifts over the years. I mean, we still have 85% of people saying that Walmart is preferring store and about 37% that it's online. Um, you know, same for Sam's Club, Costco, similar dynamics. But then what's very cool is Target, right? So Target, you know, you would actually argue has a much better display in the store, but for whatever reason, people prefer it more online. You know, it's a 4% shift, but it's still significant, which, you know, that makes you think is like, you know, how much money should we be actually spend on creating those, you know, a lot, you know, illustrious kind of a retailer experiences versus kind of online functionality. So that's, that's the one that we kind of, you know, stuck, I was looking at it, and I was like, huh, you know, it's, it's interesting the way we actually thinking about kind of like retail investment into those experiences in the future. So it's, it's definitely something that we actually paying attention to, uh, because we know that, you know, that stickiness of e-commerce is absolutely, you know, critical auto replenishment, you know, is the number one, probably convenience you know, plus the personalization. And and, the, it, and it's it's natural that Costco and Sam's and BJ's would likely skew lower on what well, it's it's interesting that they skew low online only because they they're the products they sell, A have historically been differentiated, B were actually e-com friendly packs with the bulk size. However, they're obviously half of 
why shoppers or you know members are, are going to those club experiences for that like treasure hunt value discovery experience in addition to uh, the, the 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 prices and and the and the bulk packs. So maybe not so surprising there, but interesting to see that Target. To your point, Oscar has done a ton to drive that omni-channel basket for a long time. I mean, I I literally had screenshots and trainings we've done of when we've done target specific trainings showing like the, like, you know, they, they're in store drives online and they're online drives in store. And I mean, it's just a, for whatever your mission is that fits and Walmart, I know talking to a couple of folks with Walmart that actually with their site integration, there was a temporary kind of shift. So this, these numbers might shift back in favor of more online over time. But um, with that shift, there were actually people who, couldn't quite navigate that integrated experience the same way. And then they, they, but they didn't lose the sale. They just went back to shopping in store. I do think once they relearn how to go back online and shop the now integrated experience that they'll see that point, that path of least resistance, but th- there's some really cool stuff. We're just scratching the surface on this. And again, we, we, we found this report. It's an awesome report. Um, and, and if you have trouble getting to the link, when we send out the, that feel free to reach out to us. We can give you that, uh, give you that link. But and, it's a pretty cool study. And you know, the other thing is for club is also fuel, right? Is and the gas station. So I think it's a massive motivator for people. It's like, hey, I'm gonna go to Costco to fuel up my car, but since oh, yeah. I'm there, yeah. might as well go shopping. So I honestly think with the rising pri- uh, prices of fuel, that's going to become a factor too. Um, you know, versus uh, you know, for example, shopping online. And, and, and actually, one last thing. I know we're, we're harping a lot on this, but I think this is really important. Target does has already gotten ahead, in my opinion. Um, I'm sure there's some other retailers who, who are aiming this way at differentiating online versus in-store, obviously through differentiated products, private brands, exclusive brands, stores within stores, merchant, you know, experiential merchandising. They're not perfect, but they've done a lot in this space. Store reinvention. So it's not surprising that you'd see a, a significant online purchase, but they still have a very strong in-store purchase as well. And I think if, if in a perfect world, you kind of want both because if you were doing a really solid job as a retailer at making the store to, to, to your point, Oscar, serve all these other needs, services, fuel, you know, experiences, you know, community events, et cetera, there'd be a way to pull someone in to make in-store purchases in addition to, and I think of like a lot of the pet retailers, you know, PetSmart, Petco, who have a lot of this, you know, the grooming, the vets, the in-store experiences, the, uh, the, the events. And, and then, but yet online, obviously make all of those subscriptions and auto replenishment options available so that I get the stuff that I don't need to go shop for. I don't want to carry home done, but I got the stuff I'd want to take my pet into the store with for fun available to me. So it'll be interesting to see how these play out. And actually, speaking of loyalty, we, in addition to a report kind of highlighting what loyalty programs or subscription programs are already out, constantly seeing new players in this space, adding or testing. Um, So actually BJ's um, has actually added a same day select add-on upgrade option for their membership, um, allowing to pay a one-time fee upfront for unlimited um, same-day grocery deliveries, uh, ultimately delivered in many cases within two hours. So speed being kind of a table stakes here, two hours being the new two-day free shipping of sorts. But really interesting to see, obviously, retailers trying to make sense of the financials of doing this for even those who have members. 
Um, obviously, they had a membership, which helped offset the lower prices of their product. So there still is an offset needed. And ultimately, they're trying to make sure that everyone shares in this. So there's going to be a, a – I'm sure there's a manufacturer play from club either already in, in motion or coming. But there's also a need to, like, get you know shoppers engaged in offsetting some of this, too. So they piloted this, and this is why they're now rolling this out. So this must have proven somewhat successful, or they wouldn't have this going nationwide or you know, you know retail chain wide. Um, another interesting one is the Fresh Market is actually is unveiling its first loyalty program. So we even have retailers who didn't have them launching them as well. Um, and this is actually more to come as it's rolling out. But but interesting that it it's, it aims to create more of a custom experience. Um, not just for the shoppers, but for the individual stores. So depending on what fresh market you you engage with, your experience through the program would be unique to you and to that store, which may not be, you know, you know, may not be homogeneous to the rest of the of the chain. So uh will really be interesting to like kind of follow that one. This is one on our radar that we'll follow just for interest, right? Not that we all sell through this or but but again, it's never that you have to sell through a channel to learn from a channel or learn from a retailer take that page and bring it to one of yours. It's it's the behavior that we are looking for, right? It's right. like, are the retailers able to influence um, their customers' behavior? And then in uh, kind of a social commerce uh, news, few things that are predictable, which is the fresh market is trying to do first live stream. Um, so it's kind of, um, they are going after more personalized kind of a treasure hunt shoppers um it, it's going to be fascinating to see how's that going to play out just because of it's it's more typical grocers um so we'll see then on the flip side um instacart is looking at shoppable recipes right and they are they are basically teaming up with tiktok uh, and tasty uh, you know to do shoppable re- uh, recipes shoppable recipes been around for i mean years and years i mean when when we were even at kellogg mandolis we were already working on that uh, and they never actually like took off really but here is a little bit of a difference where i actually think there is a lot of new influencers and you know that could be an extension where they are they are basically showing you know their new creation it's a live stream content, maybe Instagram story, maybe TikTok. Um, and then, you know, you can actually click it, you know, so it's, it's just a kind of like a convenience factor. So what I'm paying attention to is that influencers um, angle more from a content perspective to see if that's going to have a little bit of a better stickiness to it uh, versus traditional recipes. Now, we... we Arguably, even going back into 2021, we didn't have a whole lot of metaverse, uh, I would say metaverse news until <laughs> the metaverse is real. Um, but we, we, we kind of said spanning this verse and the next, because some of this is augmented reality and some of this is virtual reality or, or next level reality. But uh, naturally, social commerce, to Oscar's point there, with both kind of everything under social commerce, live streaming, social media platforms, um, you know, or enablers or partnerships. Um, social commerce is expected to grow significantly while still a small piece of some of our market's pies, it will grow. And eventually the the blurriness between, you know, retail media, social media, traditional media may blur even more, but it shouldn't surprise us that 
uh, especially younger generations who are already like enabled by digital and not adopting some of it over time. 92% of Gen Z consumers express interest in using augmented reality tools for e-commerce, right? Or for commerce as it becomes. And so shouldn't be surprising, but you know, for certain categories, it's, it's extremely logical that I'd want to be able to try on, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, apparel and fashion, um, being able to try on different sizes. We're already seeing a lot of even from the Walmarts of the world, et cetera, uh, with very, you know, an Amazon with different try on technologies, trying to remove that friction from not knowing whether something's going to really look or, or fit um, right. But, but also it, it's part of the experience as well, right? It's not just the, I received it and it would have been nice to know. It's, it's kind of, there's a try on factor, right? Of, of seeing yourself better than you are now, right? So um, we're going to see, I, I think that push is going to, it, it, it may not be that they demand it. It's that again, their dollars will vote with, with retailers and brands who can bring that about. And that's, again, I'd also say that's with anything, anything that you can see, you know, especially you can see on your person, including the beauty categories. Um, you know, L'Oreal acquired Motiveface a, a few years ago with augmented reality capabilities. So this isn't new, but, you know, this is a vote in the right direction. Um, within the metaverse, right, if we go beyond our current situation and, and I don't know if I'll see you there. I might try to stay in the real world, but Oscar is going to keep me pushing me in. Um, this was kind of interesting. Adidas uh, is actually launching the world's first personality-based AI-generated avatar platform, allowing users to create an avatar that can actually transcend multiple metaverse apps and games, right? So right now, the metaverse has still been somewhat fragmented through how you reached it and what game you played. But this, you know, th this is essentially trying to own that that one universal avatar. So whether this, again, and why that matters is that that becomes the representative of ourselves, right? And 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 if I have one avatar, then that avatar has a way to use all these, you know, NFTs and all these prizes and perks that I would get in these different games. If if, if I look different in all these different things, I don't have one unified experience. So. Um, one unified body on which to wear apparel or carry items or show off my whatever in, in this in this metaverse space. So really interesting to see somebody, you know, in it not being necessarily meta or Facebook or a tech leader, it's actually Adidas trying to take on that. So kind of interesting to see that. Um, and then last but not least, uh, Chipotle, you know, we blur, remember food, food and Bev is the fight for the, the you know, the share of stomach. So you have to remember, it's not just about CPG even alone. Uh, Chipotle is actually offering a new promotion on the Roblox digital gaming platform that has a real-world crossover, <laughs> which, again, um, arguably may be very blurry in the future where I, I earn one thing and I'm eating as I earn it um, in, in the real environment or it's delivered to me as I finish playing. So, Oscar, I know you're already, like, pioneering this meta, meta space. Yeah, you know, you know if you have you know, I, I'm, I'm jumping. Number one is, for me, the biggest news, which it didn't make it to this deck from timing perspective, is Lego announcing partnership with Epic Games, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. toy company with the, one of the highest, you know, the top, the top gaming company, you know, makers of uh, Unreal Engine 5 and basically entire design infrastructure um, behind many games. You know, so that metaverse is going to be geared towards kids, 
And I was thinking of the other day, it's like, oh my God, it's like they are missing a third partner, which is like Apple announcing some sort of a headset, right? Which is, you know, Apple has a massive stronghold on teenager population. I think there was some study that are like 70% of teenagers and, and, and kids, they have, uh, you know, iPhone products, right? It's, it's, it's like, for me, this is like a total dominance and, and it's a little scary, you know, how the future is going to look, you know, just because of like the kids will be trained from just early age about the metaverse and creating this virtual world. And to fundamentally, we actually struggle at the moment with social media and kids, uh, you know, as parents, as an industry in general, right? So I think that's going to be a, um, really something that we need to really pay attention because that can scale up quickly because, you know, the audience for Fortnite, for gaming, for events, Lego, brand recognition, and not to mention that Lego is softening the image of Epic because Lego is considered as a safe toy, right? No, nothing controversial, uh, you know, most of the times, but it's 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 much softer introduction. But then the second thing is, which we actually start to see a lot of pro- uh, projects around is... Uh, you know, how do we count digital shelf assets that will be required for metaverse, right? Because if we are looking traditional digital shelf, even with all the videos, imagery, enhanced content, we can probably have for per each SKU, I would say maybe 80, 100 assets. But then metaverse will require a completely different set of assets, you know, from textures to mesh, you know, to shadow maps, etc. Like, so for me, how the digital shelf will evolve you know, uh, on metaverse and what's the future of the digital shelf is something that, you know, keeps me awake at night, just trying to figure out is like, how do I wrap my head around it? And, you know, my son, actually, my, my 12 year old son's been helping me because he's actually a Roblox programmer. So I'm paying attention like to what he needs, what he uses just to kind of stay on the top of the game. And then, you know, um, of course we have other, uh, kind of a digital news store innovation. So, Giant Food is partnering with Unilever uh, to provide more interactive kind of end cup display, you know, for the beauty, which is something that we know it's happening. Uh, I'm actually surprised that it's not happening quicker. End cap for sure, it makes sense. But um, I would, I, I'm actually a little bit of surprised that we don't see more LCD displays on the shelves, um, you know, with where it allows people better navigation or allows people better promotion. So. Um, that's something that it does make sense, but I'm kind of always surprised that we don't see more of those kind of, uh, interactive displays throughout the store. Um, but we'll see maybe, maybe our technology and capability when it comes into dark store, dark store and fulfillment in store of product that it's not on the shelf needs to get a little bit better. And then, uh, PayPal is, uh, teaming up with Ulta Beauty, um, you know, to work on happy returns across all of their stores, um, because, you know, Returns is one of the hot topics. I think Amazon was publishing today that almost 20% of Christmas purchases were returned, which it creates a massive waste and massive inefficiency. And, you know, it's a problem for stores because of their high cost of shipping and razor thin margins. Um, so that we see a lot of the retailers trying to kind of tackle how to balance the experience of returns with the sustainability and making sure that it's, you know, it's, it doesn't just hit us, fi- you know, them financially. And then, you know, of course, if something hits them financially, they're going to pass the, the cost of it to brands. Um, so that's something we're also paying attention because the returns within the space, within e-commerce, I would say past supply chain is probably a number two issue for sure.
and and I, I do think it's interesting to it'll be interesting to see how many more returns locations pop up because that is I mean my wife especially like we we had such a it, there was such a pain in trying to return a few pieces of clothing she bought you know some of the ones she bought on Amazon it was so easy you know it was a no box return <laughs> you go to the the, the U, UPS store as a partner right down the street. The other one, we had to go to the U.S. Postal Service, not against the U.S. Postal Service, just the, the, the steps to get it to them through the U.S. Postal Service were were honestly to a point my wife was like, I'm not going to shop there again. And so that, that, again, the hard part is tracking that defection because of something as simple as just like, I'll just, I'll compromise and keep looking for something else somewhere else. So, and, and Oscar, to your point, I do find it, I, I do think it's interesting. It's cool to see Unilever, and giant partnering on this interactive uh, end cap. I, it does knowing that the push for retail media um, from these retailers, it would, to me, it would almost be interesting if all the end caps were programmed and then you had to like, I mean, you could monetize that as a retailer really fast. In addition to whatever they're doing here um, where you, you know, you're not only paying for the placement, but you're paying for the interactivity. And then that comes with a whole nother set of content that has to be generated, but I mean, that, that this could be the, this could be very much a monetized future of the end cap is one that's yes, more expensive, but potentially driving more conversion than the traditional end cap, which was, would do better than whatever you had on the traditional planogram. So really interesting to see. Um, th- these are just, you know, we always see a lot of, uh, you know, I would say ro- you know, robotics, automation, um, news and so this was actually kind of interesting. So this French startup Foodles uh, that provides uh, so so they provide fresh chef prepared affordable food quote unquote uh, for their employees at any time of the day through their smart fridges um, that actually has expanded from France into the UK. Now why this was interesting in and of of itself for the healthier you know chef prepared is this whole idea again we don't see a lot of news about vending machines or these like you know these self-service you know platforms but i think that like i feel like it's almost like to be fair all omni-channel models that we we shot from today were were not new none of them were new maybe the robots are new but you know the milkman it was originally like home delivery right right domino's local from store delivery the the original mom and pop pop General merchandise store was a click and collect of sorts because you you gave them the list and they went and picked it for you. You didn't get to go back there. And I don't know if I said this on my my, my dad is, is the CEO of our family's company, which is a plumbing supply distributor. It's B two B. But in the seventies, they pioneered this self service model where the contractor could go pick their own products. It was crazy back then that you would pick your own products. But wow, what 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 in what what empowerment that was, right? So the reason I find that interesting is that these vending machines, yes, require infrastructure, maintenance, and replenishment. But like, again, if I'm Walgreens, if I'm CVS, as CVS pushes into that, and a number of drug players, it's this: how can I be on the corner of happy and healthy everywhere without actually having any people there? Um, and I do think this almost like lockers popping up in a lot of places. I think there could be a lot of these these platforms like the mobile, you know, the Best Buy Express or the CVS vending machines or whatnot. I think we'll see a lot more of these. Um, 
Tortoise, which is a retail automation startup, um, unveiled their mobile smart stores, uh, which allow people or your shoppers to purchase food and other products without interacting with the human worker. Now, I don't know that that part is the part I'm as worried about outside of COVID. But again, it's that automation of delivery, even in-store, outside of store. Again, we're going to see a lot more of these capabilities coming both from airborne drones, but also robotic, you know, I I think of Amazon's, um, you know, robotics, Neuro with uh, Kroger and Walmart, um, others test, you know, in 7-Eleven even testing Neuro. So we're going to see a lot more of this like robotics and self-driving robots, um, maybe who can get on the main road, enabling that last mile. Then we have a lot of kind of need for speed news. Um, so GoPuff is partnering with Morrison to, of course, offer kind of a, like a, you know, rapid delivery within, you know, 30 minutes. For GoPuff, you know, they're expanding at the moment to the UK. So that makes sense. Uh, they are not very well known within UK. Um, so even having presence and partnership with Morrison um, can actually help their brand recognition. So it, it makes sense. And then Morrison can rely on the GoPuff kind of experience um, with rapid delivery uh, in the U.S., you know, and kind of with their ability to scale it with all the self-bank money that they got. Um, then we have Instacart announcing um, kind of in, announcing, inter, you know, Instacart platform specifically for retailers uh, because what they want to do is they want to help to retailers to kind of realize that 15-minute delivery Right, um, using some of, some of their nano fulfillment centers, um, we'll see what that will mean. Does this mean that they actually are looking to um, get in into the fulfillment game, um, and they needed to scale it as quickly as possible? Because you know, anytime you have a fulfillment centers, you know that's a very heavy cost, even if it's some sort of a nano fulfillment. Will this actually maybe turn into some sort of a partnership where Instacart? will uh, take inventory, for example, and, you know, works with the, one of the traditional retail stores and actually rents part of the warehouse. That could be also interesting to see if some of those underperforming location, retail location could be actually used for fulfillment centers. But this is in general what Instacart is doing well is, is kind of making sure that they are kind of integrating themselves within the retail ecosystem. They know exactly where the retailers are struggling and they are trying to, um, you know, explore that. And then we have uh, Joker, um, who is launching, you know, a new mobile app, looking at, you know, creating a lot of those personalized experience, you know, and trying to simplify content creation. Um, so it would be also, you know, kind of, I'd be curious to see how is that going to play out? Is it going to make a difference or not? But we know the personalization of content, personalization of store, Still, it's a lot to be desired for a lot of the retailers. Um, so we'll have to see if that will pan out. And actually going back to influencers, you know, and, and uh, just, you know, uh, recipes. One of the things is what I think there's a tremendous opportunity. If there is an influencer, for example, for keto, right, um, that audience is very specific in terms of what products they want to see, which products they don't want to see. And if that influencers could create their version of Joker or Instacart card where all the items would be approved by that influencers, right? And it would simplify uh, the idea of shopping for their followers. 
I honestly think that's a massive opportunity uh, for a lot of them to actually monetize. And that could potentially change how retail would look in the future. I'd like to go out on a limb and say that Oscar and I here and now are going to make up what will become the next smallest thing after nano fulfillment centers. Okay, so micro was in the news. Now it's nano. I just looked this up. What's smaller than nano is Pico. Okay, so we're going to create Pico fulfillment centers, which arguably is print on demand, or we just need to get a lot better at not eating as much so that we can eat smaller amounts that are fulfilled out of what would be a printer sized unit. But um, maybe Pico fulfillment centers can be the ones that are actually in your house um, because that's where we're going. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Pico fulfillment would be if it could be fulfilled from your household, right? We, we're talking exactly. about this, um, you know, kind of my a, garage. Exactly. You know, it's just like, you know, consignment. What e-commerce. if I sell my space back to you and then, and then you can just robotize my garage um, since drones will probably just be flying me around anyway. I don't need a car. So I, this sounds silly, but this is like, this is, that's the ultimate game Again, and I go back to like Walmart in-home delivery, Amazon's, you know, smart shelves, like anything that embeds the last mile in your house where you don't even own the product long term because it's automatically managed on your behalf and something comes in or or manages it automatically. And I I mean, this may not be for everybody, but it'll be really interesting to see. But it is cool to see Instacart actually remember when that news that came out um, over a year ago where they, there was that threat that they were going to compete with the retailer and their point was, no, we're going to be the fulfillment capability for the retailers who can't do micro-fulfillment or nano-fulfillment themselves. This seems to be 100% in line with that, um, building out those capabilities either on-premise or on-site or off-site that then the retailer can rent, lease, fund, whatever. Um, but that gives Instacart not only the, you know, the the, the marketplace platform, but the infrastructure platform. So this is, that was the coolest part to me out of all of these. Uh, this uh, is Instacart really rolling out a whole suite. And they even have what you can't see in that image is also some of that in-store technology as well that they would lease out, again, to try to create that more frictionless, just walk out technology, um, easier payments, et cetera. So there, I think we're going to see Instacart become really like, almost like the iOS platform of retail for a lot of grocery and other uh, players but, but you know what to, to your point is we are measuring kind of our progress of shopping a little bit wrong you know you know my opinion about it number one is you know talking about retail versus online is completely wrong i think honestly we should have one axis which is basically convenience is this you know convenience is this tech a more convenient way for people to buy so that's number one number two is we have we're going to have in the future where brands and retailers and big companies will try to push uh, ownership of physical assets and disperse it as much as possible, right? So they don't have it on the books. So think about it as Lyft, Uber, Airbnb. They don't have those physical assets on the books. So is there a way, to your point, for that, you know, uh, Pico Pico kind of fulfillment, being able to do it from the, from the household, right? We're trademarking that here. Exactly. And then the third thing is, I, I honestly think is we're going to live in the future where all of us will have multiple income of sources 
And that could be something, you know, Elon Musk already talks about it. It's like, hey, if you buy a Tesla, Tesla might be making money for you, right, after hours where you're not using, right? So if you actually look at all of our assets, can our, our assets, you know, a household, you know, whatever that is, can actually make money for us. So I believe in that very asynchronous future where, you know, our basically how, you know, home budget might be, you know, coming from completely different things, you know, that we are doing. It's all about kind of efficiency. It's all about optimization. And if it can be automated, we don't have to think about it. And, you know, your Tesla makes money for you, then, you know, it's going to be hard to say no, right? And the same thing might happen with households too. No, well, exactly. And I, I know we could, we can ideate all day long, but like, these are, this is the thing is like, if you, if you're, it's like a beautiful mind, if you can see all this stuff, you can start seeing that somebody is going to put those things together. I wish it were us because then we wouldn't be doing cyber Monday. We would be calling in from the beach, listening to somebody else. Um, but honestly, when you think about it, if I'm a retailer and I'm trying to solve the last mile, why don't I put the product in your house? Cause then I don't have to pay. Like I have to pay for it once to get there, but once it's kind of, it, it's almost like Amazon's random stow where they don't put like items together. They're all randomly like stowed across the warehouse, the fulfillment center. What if I have random stow across communities, right? And then what if I don't own the inventory uh, as a shopper until I use it? But what if the retailer doesn't own the inventory either? What if the brand owns it like fulfillment, you know, FBA, Amazon third party? And then what if I'm a shopper at home and I could monetize my house? What if I could ship? What if I could get paid a fee for like prepping? There's so many cool things here. I'm not saying everybody's going to do it. I'm not saying everybody will want to, but it's an interesting world where like, because everyone has an incentive to get things off their books, to be more profitable, to remove friction, to remove labor. And and so it, it really... There could be a world where the product that's sitting in my house is not that it's not owned by me, is owned by a brand sold through a retailer for whom I get paid because I do the shipping for them at my house, which that could be really interesting. So more more to come there as we uh, we we uh, maybe we need to start actually patenting our Pico fulfillment centers. A um, couple other interesting tidbits here, just to uh, flash these here. Kroger continues to form strategic partnerships. I love, I, I would say, I would have said five, six years ago, I might not have thought about Kroger a whole, whole lot only because they weren't in the greater Boston area. So they weren't a household name outside of uh, knowing them as a, a leading retailer. Uh, but Kroger has, continues to build out amazing ecosystem capabilities and I think is going to be a, a very viable leader in this space as they already are. They've partnered with NVIDIA. Um, and they're planning to use AI. Uh, we hear that a lot. Lots of players trying to use AI, but um, online simulation, scenario planning to try to expand the grocer's ability, speed, and agility to get fresh food to customers, right? So again, everything is about speed and convenience, but also as you anybody knows who's ordered bananas, we just got some bananas. Two of them were perfectly right. The other ones, not so much. How do I make sure everything that I get to you is kind of the way you would have wanted it and I may need some AI help to get there. Um, Kroger is also going outside of the traditional B2C um, with a B2B restaurant supply business aimed, they're starting in the greater Dallas area, but the idea is a lot of independent restaurants have to buy up at larger minimum order quantities. And one of their propositions among 
great products and prices is lowering that barrier to entry and making it easier for these restaurants to do business. And so that's kind of an interesting way to get scale and diversify your business. Um, and then last but not least, DoorDash has, uh, has been gone way beyond food service, but also into retail with a lot of partners partnering with them. Um, BJ's recently, uh, Albertson's uh, 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 several months ago, um, but they've actually launched this new program called Accelerator for Local Goods, really designed to enable local CPG businesses and small businesses to access their platform and, and use their platform. So again, nobody is staying in their swim lanes, which is what makes this really exciting and fun. Um, and all those implications bring about new ways we might, as brands, partner uh, with different players here to bring our, our visions to life. And then we have, of course, a lot of news when it comes into, you know, search features. So Google is trying to catch up and kind of find their you know, space when it comes into where they fit in within e-commerce, because th- we see a lot of those searches are going, you know, going to retailers not to mention uh, going away uh, from Google and into, for example, other social social networks. So they are constantly trying to be uh, kind of uh, being um, relevant within the space. So we see a lot of their push and trying to aid retail search, uh, provide better tools just because of, you know, they have algorithms that have been trained for the last, you know, 20 plus years. Um, so they can actually bring in, you know, a lot to the space. But it's not a typical space that they actually uh, kind of finding themselves. So we'll see if that will actually um, be successful. And then Twitter knows that Twitter is a massive discovery platform for a lot of brands. And, you know, again, some of it is influencers, some of them is promotions, etc. Um, so I think, uh, you know, from that perspective, uh, Twitter introducing shops, um, you know, for sure, makes sense just because of, you know, if you are trying to get any item that is currently out of stock, you know, a lot of the times there are Twitter accounts you can follow when the item go, goes back in stock, right? So like, just let's do a better integration when it comes into e-commerce. So those Twitter shops uh, for sure make sense. It wouldn't be a Cyber Monday without some sort of Amazon private brand uh, launch, um, but not surprisingly, um, as again, Amazon follows the consumer, uh, I would say thoughtfully borrows with pride from other players who, who they sell for. Um, but like many other grocers, um, Amazon has now launched their own plant-based store line for their Amazon Fresh, especially as they roll out. There's a new Amazon Fresh store about to launch here in the greater Massachusetts area, which is exciting since they stole my bookstore, which was right down the street. Um, So it might as well give me some food instead. Um, But again, private brands aren't new, um, but the key is Amazon um, knows how the digital shelf works because they essentially invented one of the digital shelves that we operate with. And so when, again, private brands don't have to make up a large initial share of sales to disproportionately own the share of voice or share of search. And so while this is, you know, obviously kind of to be launched and accelerated through their stores as they expand, don't think this won't show up online and, and pose, you know, maybe drive and, and complement this, this trend towards plant-based uh, nutrition, but, but may also displace some of those brands who are, are winning um, today in that space. So just always something to keep your eye out. Private brands aren't new. 
but they play a different role online, especially with inflation, where there might be a value play. And, you know, Target is kind of repumping their Fred up, which is like special offers, private label, uh, limited edition designer kind of collections. Um, they, it's, for me, it's like a pop-up store almost, store within the store, uh, when they are actually trying to figure out, um, you know, how is that, that resale site going to work. So we're kind of paying attention to it. Again, we are looking at Target um, revenue stream when they are trying to play kind of the role of, um, you know, marketplace too. Um, so be kind of interesting to see how that's going to all play out kind of in the future. And then this one, Oscar, if you have any thoughts on this too, I, I, I thought this is, you know, there's a big focus on D to C or direct to consumer, which is not just brands selling online if they sell through traditional retail, but it's also a lot of those digitally native brands selling direct to consumer online, but also through some of those flagship stores. Um, and, and, and so this isn't to knock D to C, but this is, you know, there, there was a big, there has been a big flux of digitally native brands getting very high valuations, exploding in growth, getting lots of PR, um, driving an agenda of, of D to C leadership. But obviously it, this is not for the faint hearted. Uh, whether you're a CPG who launches D2C or whether you're a digitally native launching D2C even more so um, because especially if you're trying to add that physical retail component, you've got to make multiple models work. It's a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of early investment, new shopper acquisition. Um, and again, not that these brands aren't driving retention, but you haven't gotten, you haven't already gotten that scale that some of the big, you know, the big CPGs are, are currently maybe floating on. Um, and so it's in, interesting to see there, there have been some challenges as, you know, competition is rising and prices are, are going up, obviously inflation and the, and the logistics challenges. Um, you know, again, as people make trade-offs, do I want to pay for a more expensive premium digitally native brand or is there something that's an alternative? Um, again, the, the in-store experiences were, even though some of these were more experiential, were impacted by COVID. So some of those things that made this really, really awesome in 2019 to early 2020 got punched in the face, uh, you know, proverbially here. Um, and so they've had to relook at their models. And that's why I think we're going to see the, the, the most creative ones are going to partner with some of the big retailers, partner with some of the, the brands, partner with new types of models to make sure that they continue their good work and leadership in this space. But not all of them are going to succeed. Some of them kind of got to rise ride on a surf on a wave um, of, of interest at a time before we were disrupted. So Oscar, I don't know if you had any thoughts here as we wrap up. No, we, we know, right. A lot of brands are struggling to articulate their DTC value prop. So that's number one issue, right? How do they actually, their experience stack up against um, traditional, you know, retail experience tr and then traditional omni-channel. And the second thing is if you are successful in DTC, it doesn't mean that your business has a basically open highway to growth no matter what. You still got to fight, right? Because you might be relevant in DTC, but are you going to be relevant in retail? Are you going to be relevant in omnichannel e-commerce? That has not been proven yet, right? So the challenge there is that we have to be very kind of mindful when it comes into expansion that success in DTC 
doesn't equal success in business. And a lot of the companies overextend themselves. Just look at what happened to Peloton, for example, where they suddenly thought that they were on the top of the world and, you know, things started to fall apart. So it's, it's, it's definitely a humbling lesson, right, from a DTC perspective. But we have to kind of see, you know, if that's going to change valuation, if that's going to change projection, um, you know, it's still no matter what, if you want to launch a new product, you know, direct to consumer, uh, it does make sense for a lot of the brands, but you might as well also launch it on Amazon. So you have options. And I, I just think it's always important to flag like, yes, when you launch something, you want that like endless upside. But like there, there is there is a market and there is a ceiling and that doesn't mean you should limit yourself. But like I do, I just see I mean, this is one of the biggest challenges for CPGs is that there's like we're so hungry for growth. I say we some are so hungry for growth by the nature of how they're measured that they're willing to screw the thing that got them the growth to start just to try to get that quick hit when, when in fact, if they thought about differentiation and some strategic, no, you don't want over complexity of business, but maybe there's a different route to growth than just how do I get fewer things to be way, way bigger? That would be awesome. But at some point you do hit a ceiling before you might, you might, you have, might have to diversify. You might have to differentiate. Um, or you may have to diversify to scale over time. So, uh, you know, I, I think D2C is definitely something to focus on if you can differentiate strategically. But, you know, it, it, it's not it's not a guarantee that all of these will be a success. So, um, so thank you all for joining us today for our Cyber Monday, April 2022. Our next one is May 16th. You're already signed up for it. Obviously, we'd love to have you join us live but you can also join us on demand as this is free uh, to access. And we'll be sending out the email with the deck and the recordings following um, today, as well as the podcast, if you want to catch up again, or if you're listening to that. Um, and then we got a lot more events to come. These are just some of the events coming up on our radar over the next several months. We've got Walmart next month. Uh, we've got health and beauty in June, Amazon. Again, if you missed last week, don't worry. We've got another one coming up with all new content in September after the, after the summer. Target in October and then Pet in no- November. And then we've got a lot of other events that will be popping up very soon with announcements to come. So we'd love to have you join us again, firstmover.com forward slash events. And again, you earn, you're starting to earn credit, whether you can track it or not yet, you will. Um, but you're earning credit towards your, your torch program, your torch bearer program, which again, for some of you will be, uh, will be very intriguing for others. You'll be like, yeah, 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 I'm learning. Okay, but you're going to get something for learning. So we're excited to have you with us. And again, you've always been a first mover and you've made it official by being with us today, but let's keep making it official. Join our community, like us on, uh, on, on uh, you know, follow us on, on uh, LinkedIn. Um, join our next events. They're all free for brands. And if we can help you in any way with content questions, connections to people, need for capabilities. We can point you in the right direction. We know everybody in this space, um, help you find some talent <laughs> you, or, or if we can help you with custom trainings or advisory, we're here as well. So um, you can reach us at Oscar and or at Chris at firstmover.com, or you can get double trouble. If you email at hello at firstmover.com, you'll get both of us. So thank you all uh, for being with us today. Have a safe rest of your week and we will see you at our next event. Have a great one.